Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan and I'm joined by the wonderful Regold. Hey, Re. Hey, Stacey. Hey, everybody listening. Today's... How cool is it that you've joined us? <laughs> it is super cool. And today's episode is brought to you by something else super cool, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, which is happening in Las Vegas in July. So excited, Ree, to get to, to get together with everybody in the coolest city in the world for one big massive party. It is going to be a massive party, but I like to say we're going to learn as well. Yeah. And we'd love to have many of our listeners there. You can learn more at regold.com backslash DLTC home. Isn't that funny? I started to forget. Or you can type in dancelifeconference.com. Either one of those. Beautiful. I mean, you can find it everywhere on the internet. Or if you're looking for somewhere else to find it, Ree's on Instagram at regold and... There's conference stuff that getting me excited all the time that I keep sharing because I cannot wait. Today we're talking about keeping things fresh in the classroom because, you know, we're well into the new year. We're well into January. We're heading towards recital time. I always feel like this time of year is like um, a bullet train, like the trains left the station. We kind of had it slowed down at Christmas and over the holidays and then it the new year came and it started revving up and we're on board whether we like it or not and we are speeding through to recital. So it's the kind of time where we start to get a little bit tired, we start to get a little bit maybe stale with the content that we're teaching in the classroom. But for our students, you know, they're just as excited to be stepping into the room as they were in September. So we really need to make sure that we're keeping all of the content that we've got going on in our classrooms really fresh and relevant for our students. I would agree 100%. And if you said, Re, what would be the one thing you'd watch out for? It would be that we spend maybe too much time working on our recital dance and not enough time dancing. Mm. And so in, in my mind, I look at it as... Keeping it fresh means that we are going to work on our choreography. We are going to have to complete this dance by the end of the year. But maybe I'm teaching the movement to a different piece of music this week and then having them added on to the music they've been listening to for the last six weeks. Yeah. Or or even just like facing different walls, mm-hmm. doing doing whatever I can to put a spark in the classroom. Yeah, absolutely. But it takes preparation and planning to be able to keep things fresh. Some of us have the ability to kind of step in and wing it and everything work out in the end. But I think if we're taking our role as teachers and leaders and mentors seriously in the classroom, we need to put a little bit of time and thought into how we're going to keep things fresh, especially at this time of year for our students. 
and how we're going to keep it fresh for ourselves because we don't want to get to the end of the season and be completely burnt out and, and spent. We want to make sure that we're enjoying the journey as well as it goes along. So planning those little things, just like you said, Ree, like even just, okay, so next Tuesday I'm going to make a note that we're going to face, you know, this wall instead of facing that wall or we're going to use this piece of music instead of that piece of music. Just putting some time and thought into the planning of those little things can make a really big difference in the studio. I am uh, a guy who would or was always thinking about, okay, how am I going to keep these kids going? How am I going to keep these kids energized? And, And for me, it would be, okay, you know what? I do have to add two counts of eight onto this choreography, but today we're going to do it across the floor. Mm. Okay. And so they're going to learn it, different music all together across the floor, and maybe they don't even know what they're learning. Yeah. And then in the last 10 minutes of class, I go, guess what, you guys? You just added two counts of eight onto your choreography. Let's do it. Yeah. Go to your places and let's do it, you know, but doing it on the spot from exactly where you were up to. That's the way I look and say, okay, I can keep these kids guessing what I'm going to do next. Mm -hmm. Not the typical same thing every single week. I'm, uh, I feel like if we run a season and we end it, with just going over that piece of choreography, are the kids going to be as enthusiastic to register in the fall, having just been through several months of learning that piece of choreography, being let's, we know kids, bored with the music. Maybe they were excited when it started, but after that 12th or 13th week, yeah. It didn't feel that way anymore. Where if we could bring them to the end of the season and they get to do a dance class for the last four weeks and sort of run the choreography. Wow. How cool is that for our kids and ourselves? Yeah, exactly. And for ourselves as well, because We've heard it for 13 weeks too and probably for the four weeks leading into that as we're creating it in our mind or we're being inspired by what we're going to create in the classroom. So it's good for them but it's also really good for us too and our own teaching practice. And and I also say make choices when it comes to music. Make choices when it comes to movement that are go- uh, those choices are going to keep the dancers the most engaged that we can keep them. Mm. Don't just choose a piece of music because it's easy for you to choreograph to, or you've choreographed to it before. So that makes it like, okay, I can do this without thinking too much. If that isn't going to inspire your kids, then find something that's going to make you think too much. Yeah. I 
I know that I I'm guilty of that. I can hear a piece of music and say, "Oh, that's right. We did that in in the 2012 recital." So I and I loved that routine, so I'm happy to recreate that. But what I'm trying to do with anything that I am recreating, we've got a, a teacher that's been with us for the last three years. He, um, I taught him when he was younger. He went off and had an illustrious professional career. He's come home and now he's teaching for us. And he is an incredible teacher and incredibly inspiring to our students, but also incredibly inspiring to the rest of our staff because he has a wonderful way of seeing patterns in choreography and a wonderful way of using canon and using repetition and and all of those elements of dance as part of his choreography and what that has made all of us do who have been you know choreographing what in what seems like forever it's really made us step up our game and step up the way that we teach in the classroom as well because he's doing such creative visual creatively choreographically gorgeous stuff that it's making us really think twice about how we're we're you know the the routines that we're giving the kids and what we're putting on stage so it's for us it's keeping it fresh even though we might have heard the song before it's really about planning something new and being able to do something new with it not only for the kids and, and their inspiration but for us as teachers as well Yes, yes. And and you just said something that I, I think is a point that I would like to make or follow up on. When creating choreography and formations and patterns and canon, as you said, don't try to teach the dancers all the formations and the patterns while you're teaching them the movement. Teach them the movement straight on, bada boom, four flat ball changes, three Irishes, a break. Teach them that straight on before you say, now I need you to do that in a circle and Mm -hmm. cross lines and become an X. Yeah. If you are crossing lines and becoming an X while you're trying to learn the steps, it isn't going to work. No. It's it's like we need to make it easier on ourselves. One week you just teach the movement, the steps. Mm-hmm. And then the next week you come in and you move that into the directions that you visually see that choreography working in that's a big time saver yeah absolutely or like talking about keeping things fresh you teach the step straight on and then you give them you know a whole heap of different pattern changes okay now we're going to do it in a square okay now we're going to do it in a triangle okay now we're going to do it in a circle knowing that what you're going to do with them eventually is take them in the circle and end in an x but making them use their brains in a different way and they're getting the repetition of practicing the step over and over again. So they're going to be improving. So when they do do it into the pattern that you want for the choreography, the step is, they've got the step down. But that's so important what you said, Ray, about about using that moment to break it down because that also makes it interesting for the kids. We're going to learn it straight on and then we're going to do it traveling and and instead of just saying, okay, ready, this is what it's going to be, go. <laughs> like I was laughing when you were saying that because we've all been in those classrooms with that chaos of who's crossing in front of who and who's bumping into who and just, oh, wow. 
You know, as a young choreographer, I was not good at what I just explained. It took me years. Mm, me too. Okay, to say, wow, what if I just give them the steps? They get the steps and then I tell them what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> so those of you that are a little younger and haven't figured that out, I'm telling you, it works and your kids will appreciate it and the stress in the classroom will be a lot less. Absolutely. So what about, you know, so many kids thrive on, on routine, and it's important it's like dance is a discipline so there, there are elements of what we do that have to remain the same how do you mix up something like you know a, a, a combo class that has 20 minutes of tap and 20 minutes of ballet and 20 minutes of jazz or an open ballet class that you know has to start at the bar with plies and you know work its way through how do we keep those kind of classes that have structure and discipline to them how do we keep them fresh I'd say the first thing that came to mind when you asked me the question was diversity in music. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like if I am working on that ballet class, that 45-minute ballet class week after week, that I'm going to walk in there and surprise the kids with I don't know, uh, maybe holiday music that they get a chance to uh, feel a different vibe, even though we need the consistency, we need the plies, we need the tendus. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you guys, uh, we're going to be a little out of the box today. Yeah. Um, I also feel like changing up the classroom i know what i'm gonna say might be like too much for some listeners if stacy and i teach at four o'clock on tuesdays every week and she's in room a and i'm in room b i'm going to take room a and stacy's gonna take room b yeah or i know this seems a little out in left field, but maybe Stacy's gonna teach my class and I'm gonna teach Stacy's class. Yeah. I'm going to consistently look at ways that I can make this interesting to kids. Hear me on this. I, and and that includes like visuals, like having a TV in the room and bringing in a YouTube uh, video of Fred Astaire and talking about him and the history and how it relates to the choreography that we're working on. This is this is what I think. And I I, I bet nobody would disagree is in 2022. The kids that we teach are looking at the TV, looking at their phone, and having a conversation with their best friend at the same, at the same time. time. Yes, absolutely. And somehow they're pulling it all off. If you ask what was on TV, they could tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not like it doesn't matter to them. It does. And I look at dance class sometimes and I say, how do we keep up with those kind of brains? Mm. Yeah. And and the change of classroom or the change of stimulus, like the YouTube clip or the different kind of music, 
can be exactly the way to fire those neurons that they're used to having firing all the time in order to keep them engaged. And even like I've seen teachers use their mirrors and they write with an erasable marker and now the kids might come up and use a marker to add uh, answers to a question related to their whatever they're working on in ballet class or whatever. I see us becoming interactive with the kids, causing to kid, causing the kids to think out of the box sometimes, mm-hmm. helping them to build their confidence by asking them questions and getting feedback. I I, I really look at it as, as though the boundaries are endless. I think in my day and most of the people who were listening, we went into a dance class, we did our warm up, we uh, danced to the music, and it was enough to keep us going. Yeah. I think these kids and the generations that are coming our way, uh, more stimulation, more interaction, more. Uh, feeling the vibe of your classroom and knowing that today isn't the day for me to get down and dirty about their technique because it's the week before Halloween. Yeah. And yeah, I could force them and I could get mad at them, but no, this isn't the week to do that. What is the vibe? How do I meet my dancers halfway? Mm to where they are and make this a good experience where I accomplish what I want to and they're going to enjoy that experience. Yeah. My teenage girls last week came into my ballet class and we did a bar as, as normal. It's an open ballet class. And we got to the centre and and one of them said, just corner work today, Miss Stacey, just corner work. And then th- there was kind of like a chorus. Then they all started, well, can't we just do the corner? Da, da, da. And what I had p- prepared obviously wasn't that. But I thought to myself, okay, no, this can be a good challenge. And I said, good. Yep. Okay, guys, that's what we're going to do. And so then I had to be, you know, meeting them where they were at. That's what they wanted to do. It was, you know, they wanting to have some fun. They've had a lot of exams at school and a lot of pressures. And, you know, they were looking for like a bit of a release and a bit of fun. So I had to figure out on the spot, on the fly, how to set my tondu exercise from the corner, like moving down the room, how to set my pirouette moving down the room. That one was easy. How to set my petit allegro down the room and, you know, and so on and so forth. And that, and, you know, they left beaming and they left just, you know, on top of the world because that their needs had been met. And I left on a bit of a high because I I managed to do it. I was like, oh, okay. Like I got through the class, you know, set the exercises. They got the technique and they had a good time. And I managed to be able to find a way in my in my brain to, to make that happen. And so I, I came home really proud and said, guess what I did tonight, Heath? Like, and I, and I normally wouldn't come home to report about my teenage ballet class, but I, but I really did because I was, I was thrilled with the experience and the, and I was thrilled because the kids were thrilled with the experience too. Another thing that I would say, I wouldn't do it every week and I wouldn't do it so much in my shorter classes, but Sometimes just 
hanging out with the kids and saying, what'd you like about today's class? Mm. What'd you, what'd you learn today that you didn't know before you walked in this room and get, allow them to give you feedback and, and discussion and them to get to know each other through that process as well. I um, don't know that we do enough of that type of communicating with our mm. kids because we're, we're busy trying to make better dancers yeah, but but they'll come in the next week more willing to work if they know you better. They'll want to please you more. They'll there's something to be said with I want a proper teacher student relationship, but communication, verbal communication, and getting to know your dancers. And then feeling safe and feeling like they know you and that you're out for their best interests is going to make them even more enthusiastic to be good, mm -hmm. to please you, to, mm -hmm. to listen when you need them to listen. Mm. And when they are listening and they are attentive and they are working hard, they improve, their confidence improves, they get, you know, they go out to the car beaming their parents are pleased because they feel like they're getting for value for money it it feeds out into everything we want to achieve in building this this dance community and building this mutual appreciation for dance as an art form it's a pretty special thing we get to do right yeah i think i as you've heard me say a hundred times i think we're in the greatest profession in the world i don't see any place where you have the opportunity to work with the next generation and they lose themselves in the music and the movement, especially in the, I don't want to sound like a redowner, but in the chaos of the current world that we live in, the release, the freedom, the expression, the, the vibe, that's all happening in our classrooms. And I consider it just what's needed by this generation of kids and teenagers that we're raising right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't know where I'd be without it. Oh, I don't know where I'd be either. Honestly and truly, I uh, say this often, you've heard me say it, but once the the bloodstream has a passion for dance inside of it or inside of you. It never leaves. Mm. This dance passion is something that grabs you and holds on for life. And when I say that, people listening might go, well, that's the way it is for me. I don't know that we realize that even that once a week kid can get that passion mm. where they turn on the TV and they have to stop every time they see dance or they get a chance to go when they're uh, uh, older, they get a chance to go to the Nutcracker and just sit there and glow because they just love dance and movement. That's like, I don't know, like how cool is that? That's the greatest gift of all. Yeah, that's a perfect mm. way to end. I've got nothing to say to that other than, yeah, 
You're exactly right. Yeah. So we'll uh, end it with this. The possibilities of what we can do in our classrooms are endless, only limited by our own brains and our own thoughts. Do everything that you can in your classroom to keep the kids enthusiastic about the art of dance. Don't force them to always learn it the traditional way or the way that you learned it. Be open to exploring new ways of teaching and new ways of learning because every child learns differently. And we didn't pay attention to that when I was a kid. Mm. It's something we pay attention to now and we'll make better dancers, but more confident kids for sure. Love it. And with that, I guess I'll close saying, enjoy the journey, guys. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 